from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. Holla at your boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Nathan Drinkard, I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder, the show is hosted on the Anchor app. We're also on all the other big podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you prefer the video format of the show, we are up the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. You can check us out at all those locations. Like, listen, share, subscribe. We appreciate it all. all right, Drink, what's going on, man? You know, same old, you know, what's going on over there, you know, uh, Wednesday. We back to give the streets what they need. We back to give the people what they need to hear. Um, we gonna, we gonna say what they don't. We gonna see what they want. Um, it is what it is. And uh, you know, last but not least, Let's talk some sports, baby. Let's roll, baby. All right, episode 48, the Warriors and Pelicans split. NFL draft is complete, and we discussed last week's news about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. We begin with the Milwaukee Bucks defeating the Brooklyn Nets last night, 124-118. to 118. The Bucks used an 18-1 run in the fourth quarter to turn a six-point deficit into an 11-point lead. Back-to-back MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo had a below-average night from the floor, but still tallied 36 points, 12 rebounds. He got plenty of help from Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. They each scored 23. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combined for 70 for the Nets, but no one else had more than 12. And the Nets were minus 16 on the boards. The Nets were without James Harden for the 15th straight game, and they've now lost three in a row. Milwaukee's won their third straight, and they closed to within a game and a half of the Nets for the second-place seed in the East. Drink the Bucks also beat the Nets on Sunday, and this could be a potential playoff matchup. Do you think what we saw last night was an accurate picture of what we could see in the playoffs? I wouldn't necessarily say accurate, but I would say this. I would be concerned about James Harden. Why would I be concerned? If James Harden comes back and this hamstring injury, what it seems to me is this is a effect of the way he handled the offseason. Cause he didn't clearly he didn't work out or train or whatever during the offseason like normal. We seen how he showed up to camp. We seen how he showed up to the season. And I feel like his body's starting to let him know you you didn't do right, and now you're 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 paying the price for it. Um, now, when he comes back, will he make a difference? I don't know, cause the their problem didn't have nothing to do with James Harden. They didn't struggle to score. They didn't struggle to make plays. They didn't struggle to move the ball. Like, these are the things we think of James Harden. They didn't struggle to shoot free throws. They didn't – they struggled to rebound. They struggled to show size. They struggled with one-on-one defense. 
tell you how disrespectful the Nets was in this game. Let me tell you. Time after time, I seen them literally try to guard um, Giannis with DeAndre Jordan. What is this, 2012? 2013? What, what am I missing here? So, DeAndre Jordan can guard. Not only can he not guard Giannis, then you're going to get disrespectful and do it one-on-one. -on -one. You ain't even going to bring no weak side help. You're going to do All right, cool. So, if that's the strategy, then we see how, how long this series is going to be. But to your point, I don't think it's a direct, you know, reflection of what we're going to see if they meet again some stuff can change but i do think it's a large sample size of what we could see um because at the end of the day the bucks still going to rebound and the, and the, and the net's going to have to figure out how to rebound at the end of the day that's just what it is and we're talking about these two teams we're going to add in philly we're going to add listen the Nets, they are in trouble they're in trouble but it's not like Oh, sell the form. The roof is on fire. But this is a problem. This is a problem. Because James Harden can't fix this. I don't care how good, how elite those three guys is. You're telling me right now, if it if they have an off night, it's an automatic L. That's what you're telling me right now. If they don't make shots, it is an automatic L. How else are you going to win if they don't make shots? If your three guys don't make shots? I would love to know what's your plan B? What's your plan C? Because I don't think they got one. And that's what I've seen in these two games against Milwaukee. Because Giannis been going off, but his his road dogs, they might, might may or might come, might not come. You know what I'm saying? And they still win the game. They have a plan B. Giannis, okay, hey, Giannis, we're going to turn you more into a passer. Hey, Drew, we want to put you right here. Middleton, we want to put you right here. Oh, you know what? We still got a pretty decent bench, too. Bring the bench in if the starting lineup ain't getting it together. You know, they have a plan B. I'm sorry, but I, I watched the Nets last night. I don't know if they got a plan B. Kevin Durant played 40 minutes last night. Kyrie Irving played 39. Give me your two stars. So if you got to push them for doggone pretty much 40 minutes apiece and you still lose the game, I don't know. Maybe you was working out and you wanted some extra, you know, PTN, I don't know. But from what I seen last night, what I seen last night, it is a cause for concern. And what my ears heard from the Bucks' performance in the last two games against the Nets is they was telling them, <laughs> if you want to not get, you know, dismissing six games or possibly five, y'all might want to bring James Harden and bring in some stilts because um, we're going to bring this to you the whole series. That's just what it is. We're going to bring this. We're going to be in DeAndre Jordan face the whole series. Blake Griffin, whoever else you want to bring in there, they're going to get this work. So y'all might want to be ready. So I think this game showed some of the negative um, aspects of the Nets, the lack of defense, the lack of size. This is exactly what the Bucs showed. And for the, for the record, I want to say this before I hand it over to you. I think this top three in the East – it's just so much more interesting than what's going on in the West. I'm sorry. Don't beat me up. I know I'm a Lakers fan, LeBron, you know, all that, got it. But the East is – I'm starting to be like, hey, bro, let's just do two East games every game. Like, it's just I'm, I'm getting very intrigued with what they got going on over there. Um, not to say that, that the Eastern Conference is better than the Western Conference. I'm not saying that by no means. 
But I will say they're painting a better story than the Western Conference is right now. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would say my, my, my final answer is it is not a 100% accurate picture, but if I put a percentage on it, I'm looking at about at least 75. Because I, I, I can definitely see the Bucks doing the same exact thing in the postseason. And I can see the Nets not having James Harden in the postseason. I can. So, with that said, yeah, I give about 60%. We'll see when when these, these if these two teams come around to play each other again. We'll see. But I think it's about a, a 70, 75% chance that what we see is pretty accurate. I wanna, yeah, I just want to start where you left off because I thought it was pretty interesting. The East-West thing, and we, we've said all along, we still think the West is better than the East. But the East is the East is more interesting right now. And it's right from the top, that three – that three-team race in the East with those top three teams who are, you know, by they're completely separate themselves from the rest of the Eastern Conference. And Milwaukee's made a little push here to make things interesting for that second seed now. But even you, you look on further down the line, like the Knicks, with how great they've been playing lately, they're a story. Trey Young and the Hawks and what they've been doing um, under the leadership of Nate McMillan, that's been something worth watching. Can't forget about Miami, you know, the defending East Conference champions. You know, they the Hornets. They've stepped up. Yeah, the Hornets have been in there. We, we we've been talking about Boston all year. Like, you know, which Boston are we gonna get? Even I mean, even the Wizards are trying to inject themselves in the conversation. They've slid up to the tenth seed. You know, they've won what eight of their last ten. And then you look over in the West, like the teams that we just, you know, we think will be there in the end or just like the Lakers, can they get healthy? They've dropped all the way down to six seed. The, the Clippers, you know, they've been you know, a little bit up and down, but they've been like, for, for the longest time, they've been, you know, the third seed or lower. Um, you know, Phoenix and Utah, you know, we see them teams, we got respect for them. But in the end, like, I, I don't, you know, even to this moment, even with the Lakers health questions, I still don't see either team getting past the second round. And I surely don't see a Suns Jazz Western Conference Finals. I don't think that's what we're going to see. <laughs> the most, to me, the most interesting thing out West is Steph Curry right now. But we'll get to that later. Uh, you know, I think some of this, what we're seeing between these two teams, is definitely something you can translate. You can translate into a playoff series. Not everything completely, but obviously, if you're Brooklyn, there should be some level of concern. They're not, they're tied for their longest losing streak they've had this season at three games. You know, in, in the end, the problem with Brooklyn is, and you see this with like teams who are slapped together from time to time, you know, and they seem to like out talent somebody, you know, it doesn't always work immediately. And this, I think this is a talent, a, th- a, a three pronged talent that we've never seen before. It goes above what uh, LeBron had in Miami with D Wade and Bosch. It goes above the Boston Celtics big three, and you know you can name. There's probably some other ones we could you know throw in there. What does this go above Golden State with the Splash Brothers, KD and Draymond? I think I think it does. I think it does. I think it does right now, especially especially off especially offensively. Um, but you know, the the Warriors. I mean, they already. They already had Steph and Clay and Draymond, you know, cooking together for a while. Then they added in KD, who is, you know, one of the most 
unselfish superstars that you can throw in. You know, he's a guy that can just fit in. Remember, you remember at the time when he came over, it was like, you know, I like the way they play. You know, the ball, the ball just moves constantly. It just moves, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is a little bit different because Kyrie and KD came over last season, but KD didn't play uh, due to, you know, the Achilles. Kyrie, you know, he didn't play a whole lot. He was out much of the you know second half or whatever. He he wasn't in the bubble, you know, all that thing. And then you now you insert James Harden. So they don't they don't have a lot of continuity right now. They've only played those three guys have only played seven times all year. And James Harden's been out for about a month now. So gotta be that's gotta be concerning in itself. But I mean even even without James Harden, KD and Kyrie Irving should be able to still put you in contention. But the problems they have, you know, on the boards and on defense, they don't, you know, they're going to have to outscore people. And the problem that I have with that is, and it goes back to Steve Nash and Mike D'Antoni and the Phoenix Suns of, you know, a decade ago, they kind of a little bit, I don't think they play as fast and has and as frantic of a pace, but neither team defends, you know, and they, they struggle, they appear to struggle on the glass. So I, I don't know how far it's going to, and it gets teams like this because Milwaukee, Milwaukee with a Drew Holiday, with a Giannis, we know Middleton can play both ends. Lopez is a factor. Uh, now you got PJ Tucker, who you talked about a little earlier before the show, you know, that, you know, we talked about it when they acquire PJ Tucker, that could be a little X factor missing piece, give you some toughness. We talked about, you know, last year, Milwaukee doesn't have that, that energy, that dog guy, you know, that you need that Marcus Smart, the Jay Crowder, right. those type of guys, right. didn't have right. that. Now they have him, and Milwaukee's benefited from being under the radar. They they, they have a little, they're, they're a little bit similar to Philly. Um, you know, you, you look at Milwaukee and Philly right now, as opposed to Brooklyn. Brooklyn looks like they have more talent. You know, if you had to pick three players that you would start with, you take KD, you take Harden, you take Kyrie before you would take uh, the trio of Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, and the same the same thing, by the way, for Philly, Embiid, Harris, and uh, Simmons. You would take Brooklyn's three, but after that, you know, you go you go down the depth chart and the benches. It gets a little bit more even, you know, and some some of that probably flips in the favor of Philly and Milwaukee, and Milwaukee and Milwaukee and Philly. We know how we know how good Philly defends. Milwaukee me, can def, Milwaukee can defend probably not as well as Philadelphia, but they're more capable of playing good defense than Brooklyn is. Now, now let me ask you this: you you pointed out the the big three, and I agree. Neither neither of the other two teams got a big three, but what about the other two starters? Because then I think if you look at it like that, you're right. The big three. I think the other two teams have yeah. a better starting five. And that's because and yeah, yeah, and that's what I meant. You know, as far as you get to the depth, you get to the benches. Okay. Yeah, when you talk about, you know, what is it, Joe Harris and DeAndre Jordan versus Brooke Lopez and DiVincenzo, You know, that's probably that, that may be a little bit of a toss up. I, I take yeah. I would take yeah. Brooke Lopez over Jordan. I, I take Joe Harris over DiVincenzo probably, and then Philadelphia with what they're doing. We're not even doing Philadelphia tonight. We're talking a lot about who are there are those. <laughs> Help me out. I'm, I'm um, escaping. So there's the starting lineup, I think. Oh, it's is, uh, it's uh, Seth Curry Danny, and Danny Green, and Danny right? Danny Green. Okay, yeah. yeah. Seth Curry, so Danny Green. You talk about yeah, you talk about Seth Curry and Danny Green as opposed to Joe Harris and DeAndre Jordan. That's 
they're, they're both toss up, but you, you keep going down the line and you talk about things like defense. And when you talk about Milwaukee, when you can throw in a PJ Tucker, you talk about Philly, you can throw in a, a Matisse Thibault, a Shake Milton. You know, you get to, you know, you, you're talking about Brooklyn right now. You're talking about some of their depth. And it's just, I mean, what is some of this? Who is Mike? Blake, what is Blake Griffin? Yeah, Blake Griffin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Blake Griffin. That's right. Blake Griffin. <laughs> Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, Mike James, <laughs> and, La- and Landry Shamit. I, it's just, it looks. You hate it to appears, see it. You hate it to appear, see it. It appears that, yeah. Brooklyn needs, they need all their stars to be operating at, you know, as efficient as they can. And if the one thing about James Harden too, is, you know, Brooklyn, obviously they can still win and they can still, you know, outscore you because KD and Kyrie are still that, you know, deadly offensively, but Harden made things easier because, you know, he comes in and he, you know, he allows Kyrie to just, you know, be a two guard. He doesn't, he can just focus on scoring and Harden can be the guy to get everybody involved, create open looks for everybody. That is where I think Harden has made the biggest difference, you know, because Brooklyn obviously has all the talent in the world offensively, but it takes them a little more from a, having a little ISO feel to him. So now James Harden gets the ball moving a little bit better, but you know, the, the rebounding and the defense that Milwaukee, you know, has, has shown, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be tough. I think it's gonna be tough for Brooklyn in a series. But the wild card, I guess, before you know, we look at it, is is James Harden gonna be healthy? That's gonna be the, the biggest question moving forward. All right, now to New Orleans, where the Golden State Warriors dealt the Pelicans a blow to their playoff hopes with an easy 123-108 victory on Monday night. It was another splendid performance from Steph Curry, who totaled a game high 41 points including eight made three-pointers. Draymond Green added a triple-double, and Andrew Wiggins scored 26. Pelicans got 32 from Zion Williamson and 19 from Brandon Ingram, but New Orleans made just five out of 25 from beyond the arc. In in an example of odd scheduling, the Warriors and Pelicans did play again last night, and the Pelicans bounced back with a 108-103 win. Golden State is in a virtual tie with Memphis for the eighth seed in the West, and New Orleans is within two games of the 10th seed. They just have six games left. Drink is New Orleans making the play-in tournament. Hell no. <laughs> and emphasis on the hell. Listen, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, here's the not, deal. Not on the no, huh? Nope, no emphasis on the hell. Um, <laughs> sh- shouts out to Bishop Bullwinkle for everybody that know who that is. Um, here's the deal. Um. It's, it, we get to a time where it's time to start calling the Pelicans overrated. It's time to start calling what's going on overrated. Um, listen, and I, I know a lot of people are like, dang, man, it's only been two years. Listen, do you understand what the NBA did just for Zion last year? I think people got to understand what happened last year to understand where I'm going with this. This guy in his rookie campaign literally got the NBA to switch up a whole format for a made-up tournament just for him. Not the team. I don't think it had nothing to do with the team. Just for him. Then you come back the next campaign and play even worse than you did in the campaign that they was trying to benefit you with. I'm sorry. 
But we might be in blow up territory down there in New Orleans. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm just giving it to you how I'm giving it to you, Ross. Straight off the cut, you know what I'm saying? Off the boat, you know. So you got when I say blow up, I'm not talking about Zion and Ingram. They're okay, fine. Yeah. Okay. They're fine. I'm talking about the rest of the people, the pieces around them. Yeah, the, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Like that, that team them. currently constructed is not good enough. We've seen it two years in a row now. Same team. Um, you want to keep those young guys, the Kyrie Lewis's, the the Quan Walkers, the, the the you know the guys you ain't really you you paying them they rookie you know, they rookie salaries and they coming in they giving you enough for what you know you're paying, but. The Bledsoe's and Alonzo's and the Hearts and <laughs> Steven Adams and uh, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm not getting enough from them guys. For what they're getting paid, if you knew what Bledsoe was getting paid to do what he doing, <laughs> man, you'll lose your mind. Alonzo out here talking about he was trying to be a big ticket item in the offseason and we see why you still on the Pelican roster. It's just like, listen, hell of a game last night. Too bad for you. We talking about Monday night too. We seen that <laughs> game as well. Um, but you know, a ser- like it, it might be time to blow this thing up. Unless you want to get rid of Stan uh, Van Gundy after one year, I would think you would get him another year. David Griffin ain't been terrible from the GM standpoint, but he ain't been awesome either. Um, so I, I, I'm assuming you, he's going to be around for another year. Your coach going to be around for another year. Zion going to be there. Ingram going to be there. You, it's no way you run this back. It's no way you run this roster back next year. You, if you do, you're getting lapped by Memphis. Let's make no mistake. New Orleans competition ain't the Lakers and Clippers. Their competition is the 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 Grizzlies. You know what I'm saying? Memphis. Um, Dallas, go uh, Golden State right now. That's their competition. It's not the guys on the upper echelon. It's the teams on the lower echelon. And this ain't it. You're not. You're not even at Golden State level right now. No, no, scratch that. You're not even at Memphis level right now. That's how bad you are. I and let's known the guys that's at the top. You're not even Memphis that. And why we don't understand why this is the this is the debate me and you have. Why is it like that? All right, enough. I'm enough beating up on them. I guess I got to get the other team a little shine too. You said Warriors. I said Warriors. Let's talk of Warriors. What Golden State trying? I'm, no, no, no. What's Steph trying to prove out here, man? He trying is Steph out here trying to prove he still got some game or what? He's good. <laughs> simply put, he's great. Um, well, we know he's good. We know he's a first battle Hall of Famer. We know. Um, Listen, in, in my generation, he one of, I think, four players that I would give credit that revolutionized the game. He came in. He pretty much made centers outdate. If this dude was playing when Shaq was playing, I don't know how long Shaq's career would have been because they would have been asking Shaq to shoot a lot more threes, and he would have been like, I ain't built for that. So <laughs> I think people don't put enough respect on Steph Curry's name on what exactly he did when he came and turned the NBA into shoot it, shoot them if you got them. Like that's what he turned the NBA to into. Um, I don't think he get enough credit. He dropped forty one, but that's Steph. Steph is great. We know what Steph gonna bring to the table. What I would like to talk about is 
the guy that dropped 26. Welcome to the... Andrew mother-loving Wiggins comes in and dropped 26. I think a recipe for the Warriors to win is if they can get that steady number two that where Clay used to be at. That's, I, I honestly don't think you have to overexert anything else on this team to win games. You let Steph do what he do. Steph only put up 26 shots. So for what it's worth, he, put up, he scored 41 in 35 minutes on 26 shots. So that lets you know, he gets enough shots, he's going to make some stuff happen, right? You, Steph is Steph. If you can get that second guy, whether that be Wiggins, whether that be, um, dang, who was the other guy? It was another guy that went out for him early in the year. Um, he hit lose me. But whether that's him, Draymond, which, okay, Bazemore, any of these other guys. I don't even give a rip who the other guy is, right? If you if they can give you, like, I don't know, in between 20 to 25 points a night with what Steph usually brings you, you're going to be in the ball games. Not guaranteed to win, but you're going to be in the ball games. Here's the funny thing about this, right? I think Steph played pretty well in both games, but you got two different results, right? The funny thing is, the reason you get two different results, because you get Lonzo Ball out here. Once again, let me circle back to Lonzo Ball. And this is my problem with the rest of this roster. It's just too inconsistent. Lonzo Ball shoots, he made he scored seven points in game one. Game two, he scored 33. Was you tired the other night? What, did you have a lot on your mind? Like, what is going? If you if you have they just they just stay up late talking to Lavar, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Did, big baller brand? Did you put those shoes back on? <laughs> Here's the, I don't. I don't understand how you, you like. I, I got you know some nights you on, some nights you off, but it's this level of inconsistency is why you become a journeyman inside the league because nobody can trust you, and it's very hard to trust. Like, Lonzo going to be playing for a different team next year. He come to here, if he come here with this performance, seven on one night, 33 on the next night, he's going to be bouncing around the league because that ain't it. Um, but my whole point of bringing that up is that's, the, that's like the recipe for the Pelicans. Brandon Ingram, Zion, and then maybe somebody else might show up. And, we, and that's it. And that's why they're 30 and 36. With the next coming of the, you know, the next face of the NBA once LeBron hang it up, right? It's just unacceptable. And I'm, and I, let me say this before we get off, the, before I pass the mic over to you. Listen, the Pelicans, when this season is over and they do the national TV split up in this offseason, we ain't seeing much of the Pelicans on national TV. I'm telling you that right now. Mark my words. We ain't going to see much of that. Just like the, the point you made earlier about Washington. If Westbrook, after all he done done in the NBA, and they pretty much gave him four national televised games this year, and he actually accomplished something in the NBA. Zion has yet to accomplish anything in the NBA. I just feel like they're going to get that four-game package too. We, I think everybody's just over the Pelicans at this point. we just over the rest of the team. We, You got two dudes that can make it happen. They need to figure it out. Um, but... To close this out, I'm going to give them an extra hell. No, they ain't making the play-in tournament, and we're going to have to figure some things out in the offseason. Yeah, I don't – I agree with you. I don't think 
I don't think they're making it. Um, we don't have. We we saw them last year. It felt it felt like the NBA gave them a little bit of a easy road to make it. You know, Memphis had that, you know, that dreadful, dreadful bubble schedule. It looked like New Orleans had a bit easier line. You know, I think they were a little bit healthy. They weren't missing a key guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, and that, but they they just floundered in the bubble. Like they were one of the one of the most disappointing teams. Like. You know, we Phoenix was doing what we thought New Orleans was going to do, or something. You know, something comparable at least. Um, it's, I mean, they that we and we talked about this a little bit before. They they look they look like the same team as last year. Doesn't look like much changed. Um, you know, I the the Eric Bledsoe thing that they did. It's 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 never felt like it it worked. Um, and, and it looked like, you know, for me from the beginning, it looked like, oh, Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball, I don't I don't feel like that works. Like, can we get some shooting? How about five for 25? You're going to be, when the other team, and especially when the other team is making 17 of 44, you know, that's minus, minus 36 from, you know, the three-point line. You know, this, this ain't the 1990s, y'all, where teams are scoring, you know, where there's only like two teams Listen, that score 100 points a game. Less you know? than 90 points every game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, you know, <laughs> you, got, you got to have some guys that can shoot the ball. We know Zion Zion can do whatever he wants at the rim. I think he I think he did take a three-pointer in, the, in this Monday game. I think it was an air ball. He can do whatever he wants, you know, in the paint. But they're going to have to, they, they got to, I think they got to do a better job. This is, this is this is starting to become a David Griffin problem at the GM. He's got to figure out how to build the team around Zion and and Brandon Ingram, because even Brandon Ingram, like Brandon Ingram, can make threes, but he when you watch him play, it feels like he's at his best when he's in the mid range, and the mid range is kind of a little bit of a lost art. Like, you know, I feel like Brandon Ingram ten years ago would have felt like a little, a little bit like got a little Carmelo feel to him, you know, but that, that, that that's just not today's NBA. So, you know, to, to assist in that, they got it. They got to get shooting. So that, that's gotta be the number one priority. Now, and now, 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 before you finish, who do you sound like you're talking about? If you wasn't talking about the Pelicans, what team do you think you sound like you're talking about right now? It's it sounds like, Philly from last year. Bam. That's what it sounds that's, like. Okay. That, that's all I wanted to hear. That's all I, was I wanted little, to hear. I was, you know, I, you almost caught me off guard. I was wondering, like, oh, who? Oh, and, 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 and oh, is this, this might be a last year thing. This year, it's that, not, I'm not finding the comparison. But yeah, it, it does have a we, little bit of that feel because, you know, Philadelphia, they brought in Horford. <clears> we didn't like that. And as it turned out, Horford and Harris, they weren't, they weren't earning their paychecks. Horford just didn't fit no kind of way. They couldn't figure out where to start him or bench him. And then you got Harris over here talking about he need more sleep or whatever he's doing. You know, so you had Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, then they ended up getting hurt. What a disaster. Yeah, it, it feels a little bit similar. Um, Philadelphia, what we've seen this year is they've corrected that. You got Seth Curry. You got Danny Green. That's a That's a big help. And Court Miles has been playing better. Uh, Shake Milton, you know, he's no joke off the bench. You know, New, New Orleans is going to, I don't know, maybe David Griffin need to call Elton Brand and Stan need to call Doc Rivers to see, what, see what's going on there. But, yeah, like, 
it just feels like every time you talk about New Orleans, even going back to last year and the bubble, they just feel like a big letdown. Like I don't, and you, you, I think you hit it right on the head when you talk about, you know, we look at the same way that we looked at the Lakers and Clippers last year. We look at the Grizzlies and the the Pelicans the same way because that's what happens when uh, one team gets Zion with the first pick, the next team gets John Morant with the second pick. And I just, you know, if I'm a New Orleans fan, I would just be wondering, like, why for two years in a row have we appeared to have, I think, more talent, and yet we are consistently looking up looking up in Memphis? Why, why in the name of Anthony Davis is this happening? You know, so, but not to get hung up a team that ain't going nowhere at this particular moment in time, because that's New Orleans in a nutshell. Right. Uh, Golden State. You know, in this particular game, they they blew them off the floor. This wasn't close. Like, 15 is generous. Like, this was – New Orleans made it a little bit interesting in the third quarter. And then, you know, you had Michael Mulder come out there. He had a few big shots. We knew Steph was Steph was fabulous all night. Um, they're, they're, New Orleans is lucky that he didn't drop a 50, a 50 bomb on him. He, there was – looked like it was quite a few three-pointers that just – you felt like they was going down and just didn't hit him. I really liked – um, even I think even so more than Andrew Wiggins because he was great. I like this is gonna be a surprise. I liked how Draymond played on the offensive end. There was there were several. He only he only made four shots from the floor, but he stepped in. He all, uh, it was a three or his foot was on the line. He stepped into a, a you know about a you know 20, 21, 22 foot jump shot with confidence. He nailed it. Then later. They cheated out too far, like where he was going to hand step the ball, and then he took it aggressively to rim, slammed it down. And then there was a little bit later, because like people don't guard Draymond. It's like what people used to do to Rajon Rondo. He stepped in from the three point line to the free throw line and hit a jump shot. Like that is the, the one of the things, not only about like what has happened with Clay Thompson, but Draymond Green's like offense has been, and the deterioration of his offense has been like an undervalued storyline. Because Draymond Green, before Kevin Durant came over, he was capable at times of giving you 20 to 25 points. He had three-point range. He could do that. And that's just, lately, that just hasn't been there. If he could like regain some confidence offensively or like, you know, get back to being a competent shooter. You know, there was, there was seasons where he could shoot like, you know, upper 30, upper 30, high 30% in threes. And we just haven't seen that. So not only with what Wiggins did in this game, because, and that that's obviously important because you need, you know, if you're just focusing all your resources in, on Steph and no one else is helping him, right. that's, that's going to be, that's gonna that's gonna make or break anything Golden State can do in the playoffs. Right. Um, but yeah, they they obviously need Wiggins to give to be more consistent for him. Draymond, if he could do a little bit more from the scoring, because we know what he does: defense, rebound, and passing. All that is just excellent, you know. And we know that's I think that's a given. But uh, Wiggins and Oubre, when he gets when that wrist is right, that's gonna be ultimate. Um, you know, if they can make any noise at all, and I think they can, but. It's not about Steph, as we said last week. It's about those other guys, particularly Wiggins and Oubre. And I think Golden State going to be the team that win the Western play-in tournament. I just want to say that. I think, yeah, I, I think they'll, yeah, they will, they'll be one of the teams that gets into the actual field of eight out west. I, I agree with that. Click. 
All right, now to the NFL draft where Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence was drafted first overall as expected to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Four other quarterbacks left the board between picks two through 15, including Ohio State's Justin Fields, who ended up falling to 11th. The Chicago Bears for tight end Kyle Pitts was the first non-quarterback off the board at the fourth pick to the Falcons. And the Panthers got the first defensive player at number eight with South Carolina cornerback J.C. Horn. Drink plenty to discuss here. Which teams do you think made out best in this draft? All right, so <clears throat> I had, you know, three three teams that came out with a whopping A off the Ripsky. Um, the first one being the Cleveland Browns. I, I thought the Cleveland Browns did exactly. It was, it was picture perfect when you put it in tandem with last year's draft and then this year's offseason. I mean, they didn't go crazy in offseason, but they done enough to make me believe it's a new age, a new era in Cleveland. No longer, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, do you have to show up to the game with a brown paper bag in hand. Um, you, you, I think you got a winner now. I, th I think this team has everything they need to at least be in the AFC Championship. And I know what people saying. Dang, that's lofty. You know how competitive the AFC is? I do. And I do think Cleveland has a roster to, you know, compete with any of those AFC Titans over there. So I, I'm, I was um, thoroughly impressed with um, what Cleveland did with their picks. Um, they first picked the kid Newsom. They needed some cornerback help. They got him. Um, and then it was the, the second pick for me. All right, so Newsom and then the kid from Notre Dame. I can't say his name. Um, Jeremiah Wusa, and I ain't even going to try the last part. But he won the Buckets Award. He won the Buckets Award for the nation's best linebacker last year. So um, the kid can play. Uh, I thought he was going to go in the first round. They got him number 52 overall. So that was like the high point of what they did. I like that. You know, Anthony Swartz, so on and so forth. Not to take up much time. But I think I, I really like what the Browns did. My next scene was the um, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I, I respect. I really. I thought um, for them, it was gonna be hard to. Are right, you gonna come in and you just fired your coach, Justin Herbert in his second year? You just opened a new stadium. COVID is still going on. My matter of fact, you in the, one of the states with the strictest COVID rules. Um, I just I felt like all of that was gonna affect them. This is that's a whole lot going on at one time. But I would give the charges this. They're professionals. They act like professionals. They drafted well. Their offseason was well. I think the charges will make some noise. Do I think they're gonna be like the Cleveland Browns? No, I don't think they're gonna be AFC like, you know, championship worthy. But I do think they take a step for a, a step ahead. Um we just had to see how far of a step ahead they take. And then my third team, I went Miami Dolphins. Um, I love their draft. Now, I, we talked about this before the show. I don't know who, who picks these guys. I don't know if it's the coach, if it's the GM, or if they do it in tandem. But this is what I do know. They risk it, man. This will be the second <laughs> year in a row they just spit their first round pick on, on, on a highly talented you know, Alabama kid with with an injury coming into the draft. Ankle injury at that. So they both was ankle injuries. And um, listen, I'm an Alabama guy. 
So I ain't going to sit here and bash my guys. We know Jaden Waddle is pure electric. Take him over to Africa. He lighting up a whole village. But with that said, he still has to heal from his ankle injury. All right. And I'm what I'm afraid of is if he don't heal, you know, as fast as like tour. Like you so if he doesn't get in motion, you see what happened with now quarterback and wide receiver, two different positions. I got it, I got it. You have to have your quarterback right. You could probably be okay without your wide receiver being hundred percent. And I got that. But still, you spent two first-round picks in back-to-back years playing risky ball like that. It's a very, very rough game. So that was very risky. However, I think an 80% Jalen Waddle is – he'll get the job done. He'll, he'll, get, he'll make some stuff happen. Would I like to see that? No, because the NFL ain't, ain't the game to try to come out here and gauge how much percentage. But I would like to see that. I think if Tua and Waddle is both healthy, that should be a very lethal combination being that, hey, you just only threw, broke records in 2018 together with each other. So, with that said, those are my three teams. So, my goods was the Cleveland Browns, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Miami Dolphins. Now, going over to the bad, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Listen, just all the way around with the Raiders. The offseason, then the draft. I mean, maybe this is what you get away with when you um when you pay the coach 10 years, $100 million. And then the GM, they best the buds, and you know, the coach gets to throw the GM under the bus and he just takes it. Um, maybe you get to do this. D plus. Like, I'ma yell out that grade for them. That was a D plus. Um <laughs> The only pick I really, like, truly was like, oh, man, that's pretty cool, is it, my guy Leatherwood. And, listen, I I don't think Leatherwood was number 17. Remember we talked about this when I was when we were talking yeah. about how Alabama could possibly break the record? And I was like, Leatherwood, probably bottom of the first, beginning of the second. It was like him and Baltimore was the two I was really worried about. Um, and he went 17, so I was like, first of all, the Raiders love their Alabama players because this is the second year of the road, they kind of – Grab one kind of high. Um, and listen, I, I'm not totally mad at it. If you want to build another recreation of Alabama in Las Vegas, I'm not mad at it. But the rest of the stuff you've done this offseason, that ain't it. And I do believe if John Gruden don't make the playoffs this year, he should be fired. Like, how long? <laughs> if, it's, if, 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 we're, if we're talking about any other coach, they're fired by now. I, I just feel like they're fired. With the amount of money you signed in contract with, with the amount, with the power you gave him, because he traded away all the good guys you had before his regime, and then you get all these draft picks that you're getting, they ain't amount to playoff wins. They ain't amount to division well, titles. You know what I'm saying? Like, anybody else would have been fired by now, I, I personally think. But, well, you know, I think <laughs> this seat should be getting a quite bit toasted. And then for my second one, I went with the um, the Dallas Cowboys. I gave them a C minus. Um, uh, you traded back, and you did take. I, I think most people would say the best linebacker um, in the draft. He, but you got lucky because he slid down because of character issues. Had he not slid down, I would love to know who they would have got. They wanted Sertan. He was off the board. They wanted Horn. He was off the board before Sertan because they traded. And you traded with a divisional team. 
right, whatever. I don't know what the Cowboys doing. But they traded, whatever. They got Parsons. I'm not mad at Parsons. Well, I start kind of looking at that draft like, uh, it's their second pick. Kelvin Joseph. Listen, folks. I do a lot with college football. I know more about college football than I know about the NFL. I ain't going to fake the funk. I'm telling you right now. This Joseph kid got some talent, but he ain't much for competition. I'm just going to be real with you. You If he gets to that, that facility and these cornerbacks are pretty good and he got to actually work, I don't know how it's going to work out. I just know he quit at LSU for whatever reason because he couldn't get on the field as much as he wants. Went to Kentucky. If you can't start in Kentucky, what are you doing? And now, you know, he's drafted in the second round, so on and so forth. So, I wasn't overly excited about the Cowboys. I'm going to give you that. And then the Seattle Seahawks. And the only reason I got the Seahawks on here is just because those trades they made for the likes of Jamal Adams and um, what's the, the, the offensive lineman, Brown. Um, yeah. Those picks, you know, they only had three three picks or four picks. Three. Three. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. It's it's hard to get a good grade with three picks. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Like, they better be home run hitters when you only got three picks. Um, So, I, I just, I wasn't, like, necessarily super upset with their three picks. But it's the fact that they got three picks. I'm sorry. And so, I put them as, um, because with the three picks, at least you got them a wide receiver. You know? Um, and then you got a cornerback, and then you got an offensive tackle. Look at that. They actually drafted an offensive tackle. Look at you, Seattle, but you still you still get a C-minus for the draft. But with that said, um, listen, those are my three. Those are my three. T- my three goods was the Browns, Chargers, Dolphins. My three bats was the Raiders, Cowboys, and Seahawks. And one more thing I want to say, um, my, my two points that, that – that, kind of flabbergasted me. One being Trey Lance going to the to the 49ers. Uh, I think they caught a lot of people off guard. I don't I don't think no draft coverage I watch showed me enough tape to make me think that he was gonna be the, the third pick. I mean like every other player that every other quarterback they talk about they can show you tape for three years on these players. Trey Lance, they out here showing me a couple of games and a pro day. Uh, I mean, cool. Now, with that said, I do understand why San Francisco did what they did. If I was in their shoes, I might have would have drafted Lance too over Matt Jones just, just so I don't have to deal with the chaos. You draft Matt Jones, you're going to deal with the chaos. Now, Bill Belichick is a different type of guy. He can handle the chaos. Um, I don't know, if, you know, Kyle, if that's what him and John want to deal with. So, you go with Trey Lance, developmental quarterback, let Jimmy Garoppolo do his thing, and we'll see how that work out. And then my second part was, um, I honestly thought Pat Sertan was going to be the first defensive player taken. J.C. Horn slid up there. I'm not overly mad. I think Sertan um, is the better player. And I would say this. Whatever argument you can use for Sertan, you could probably use for Horn. And I think that's why he went. First, because a lot of people are like, oh, Sertan played in the SEC. He's been a top corner all his career. He did this, he did that. You could probably say the same thing for J.C. Horn. He played in the SEC. He played top talent. He did, you know what I'm saying? Did he win championships? No, he didn't. But that's not necessarily what the NFL looks for when they look for players. How many championships you won? Now they want the player. So, um, with that said, that was a bit of a surprise. I'm not overly mad about it. So, 
yeah, man, that was, was my eight takeaways from the draft. Um, by the way, <clears throat> Seattle don't even don't even bother with. They drafted an offensive attack on the sixth round. That's how you know they're not serious. No. Oh, we got three picks. Eh, whatever. We'll just spend offensive linemen named Stone Forsyth or something. Fire up the Google machines. All right. Uh, didn't come nearly as prepared as you. That's okay. Dishing out grades and everything. You know, I thought um to go back to Dallas, I thought that I, I really liked the Parsons pitch. I thought, um, you know, he – there was an argument to be made that he was perhaps the best defensive player in the draft. And we know Dallas's defense really, really was atrocious last year. It wasn't good the year before. So they, they need, they need a lot of help. They, I like, you know, their first looking at what five, six picks were defense. So, you know, got a little bit of that Carolina Panther field. Just, we know what we need. We know what side of the ball we need to just throw all the picks over there. And, I mean, Michael Parsons, if, if you can get Vander Esch in there healthy and you can get Jalen Smith back to how he played before he signed his contract, then you very quickly, that looks like one of the best linebacking cores in football for, for what that's worth. Still doesn't solve everything. You still like to be a little bit better up front and you need you still need help in, on the back end. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that caught my attention very early after we saw, you know, we saw the three quarterback as we suspected we would. Um, and then Atlanta probably went what we, they probably went chalk taking the best non-quarterback in the draft, Kyle Pitts. Um, and then I thought Cincinnati, Cincinnati had me scratching my head just a little bit because I understand, I understand Jamar Chase, how great he is. And you gotta be great when you can sit out a four year and still get drafted fifth. So right. I get it. And we saw what we did. We saw what he did in the LSU season where they won a national championship. But I just feel like, you know, I feel like Panay Sewell was the pick there. And it was a deep wide receiver draft, similar, similar to last year. You could have had you could have, I think you could have had an impact, an impact wide receiver in the second round. Plus, I mean, T. Higgins, not like he can't play. They still have A.J. Green. He can still play. Tyler Wait. Boyd. I just, I don't feel like, am I wrong on that? Well, I thought A.J. Did. Green signed with somebody else. I Maybe could be wrong. Maybe it did. I thought let me look, let me but look at that real I, I would say this to your point. I would say this. I think Joe Burrow leg said draft Pernell Sewell too. And they was just like, hey, thank <laughs> you. You know oh, you're right. Like, you're right. AJ Green, AJ Green went to the Cardinals. You're right. Okay. Uh, so maybe that was a little bit more neat, but uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. I just feel like the, the the point I think here, as good as Jamar Chase is, and as as great a chemistry as he and Joe Burrow may have, it I don't think it makes a lick of difference if your quarterback back there laying down on the ground over and over, which is. <laughs> I mean, which is what we saw a lot last season, and it ends up with a knee injury. They did, now to their credit, they did come back around. They drafted uh, the offensive tackle uh, from Clemson, Jackson Carmen. But, you know, Panay Sewell, I mean, I mean, Panay Sewell getting the Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence treatment at offensive tackle. And oh my gosh, you talk like, 
people talking about, oh, future Hall of Famer, and well, he, he you ain't know, even put on an NFL jersey yet. And to your point, what you just made about Chase, he Sewell is in that same situation. He no. was one of the dudes. He didn't play. He maintained his draft stock as well. And two, and right, right. And two, by the way, and two Panay Sewell, he drops to Detroit. At a boy kneecaps. You put in work there, <laughs> but it ain't gonna make a. You know, can I just because Panay Sewell? I, I, here's a, here's a take for you. Panay Sewell. If if we are to believe what some of these folks are saying, Panay Sewell gonna be the third the third Hall of Famer that just gets sick and tired of Detroit pretty quickly. You know what I'm talking was, about, Barry yeah, got, and Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Between yeah, I got between you. Dan Campbell and uh, his grooming of Deuce Staley for the head coaching job somewhere else, and um, that Jared Goff. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, Panay Sewell gonna be like. Jared, come on, man. Like something, I don't. One, one caveat I would throw out right quick before we move on. I would say this: you do notice three of the wide receivers that got that got taken in the first round are going to be paired up with their former college quarterbacks. Just throwing that out. Yes. There. It seems like it'd yes. be a trend. That seems like to be I, a trend. I like that, but like at the same time, I, I I don't think it made as much sense for Cincinnati just because like God they need they need help on the offensive line and we just saw we know we know about Tua's injuries, but Joe Burrow like he didn't have he didn't have injury problems until he went to Cincinnati and they couldn't block. So yeah. as much as like I mean it's I don't I don't dislike the pick and I think like from that perspective like getting uh, a former wide receiver used to play with like I I like that. And, you know, Tua has one of his old receivers now, and so does Joe Burrow. Um, but, I mean, I felt like it made more sense for Miami. Uh, I do like what Miami did. It, there is some risk to it. There's risk to Tua. There's little risk to Waddle. But they swing for the fences. The safe picks would have been Justin Herbert and Devontae Smith. Um, I feel, And I feel a little bad for Devontae Smith. Um, well, that's true. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith. That was the third, that was the third combo right, you're looking right, at. Right, right. Yeah. I don't. The Eagles, the Eagles just, God, they confusing me. What, how many trades do you need to make? They had the sixth pick, then they come down to 12, and then they move back up to 10. I just, it's too much. I think it's just too much moving. That's what I think it is. So, you have, hey, look, you have, have you ever, do you do any stocks? Have you ever bought and sold cryptocurrency? That's yeah. what the Eagles oh, did. By, oh, by the That's way, exactly yeah. What the Eagles did. I forgot to mention this. When I, I was, I try to stay away from my phone on the show as much as possible. I was, when you brought up, when we start talking about Lonzo and LeVar Ball, I try to look up Big Baller brand stock. I don't think it's available. Just see if, you know, I'd like to put in a few. Oh, you want to buy some? Put in a few shekels on that, you know. I like, uh, but, you know, Chicago, give them credit. They, the Mitchell Trubisky era is over. Thank the good Lord. Um, we know it's, I don't, you're going to have a, I know it's COVID and all, but good luck, you know, getting the public to come on in to watch Andy Dalton, uh, who is it's over, and Nick Foles, who we know who can't play outside of Philly. So, hey, Justin Fields, I think it's a at the 11th pick. That sounds like a bargain to me for a guy who at one point was the best player in the draft after Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. I, I would have been pretty happy if Denver would have taken him at the ninth pick. Um, Speaking of Denver, uh, nothing against Patrick Sertain 
And I know we play, we got to play Patrick Mahomes uh, 20 times over the next decade. But dear God, how many corners do you need? We out there with Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan, and we drafted the guy from Iowa, Michael O.J. Moody, and now, we, but we need Patrick Sertan too. It just seems it seems like a lot, and I feel like I would I would have liked to see us take Parsons would have been my pick to. I think him and Alexander Johnson, I like that a little bit better than Johnson and Josie Jewell. But I mean, Patrick Sertan, you, you it's true. You need all the help at corner you can get. It plus you never know Bryce Callahan, he always hurt. You know, so uh, maybe maybe it is a good pick in that respect. Uh, beyond that, I do like the fact it's nice to be right. You will remember there were two picks that I suggested for a couple AFC North teams. One of them was Najee Harris. I said the Steelers should pick him and not think twice about it. They did. Thank you, Pittsburgh. And Baltimore, they drafted a wide receiver. They got little Rashad Bateman coming there. I recommend Rashad Bateman. I doubt uh, Eric DaCosta and Kevin Colbert were listening. But I do appreciate them proving me right on this particular moment in time. I'm glad I only made two picks because you keep trying to guess picks, you know, on further down the line. Probably going to be wrong a lot. I do think you're right about Cleveland. That that um, I'm going to just call him Jeremiah from Notre Dame because I I, ain't, I can't fool with that last name. There's a lot of names that <laughs> this is this draft for names was like reading UFC rapids from you. Like sometimes it's just <laughs> oh, it's just questionable. You just hey. dive right in and you don't know what to do with it. <laughs> You know, but that but that kid had like a according to what I'm looking at, he had a mid first round grade. Yeah. And they get him early second round. Seems right. like a bargain to me. And Cleveland's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. Um, they run the ball well, they block well. You know, Miles Garrett, that defensive line, they can get after you. So yeah, a little bit more help, you know, in the linebacking core. And you know, you get another you get another cornerback. So yeah, they're gonna be a they're gonna be a problem. I think they did very well. Um, so yeah, those, those are my thoughts, a big mess of rambling, but, um, you know, in the, in the end, uh, oh, at, but you know, at least Green Bay didn't draft another quarterback, but we'll get to that shortly. All right. We now turn to Green Bay where news broke last week that reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers does not want to return to the Packers. Green Bay management is obviously concerned with the team president, GM and head coach meeting with Rodgers this off season. Uh, there are believed to be a myriad of reasons Rodgers is not happy, but one of them can likely be traced back to last year's draft when the Packers surprised many by trading up and drafting another quarterback in Jordan Love. Multiple teams have reportedly inquired about Rodgers' availability, but the Packers say they, they have no plans to make a trade. A drink we talked extensively about Rodgers, Love, and the Packers organization last year around this time. What do you think happens moving forward? I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be the quarterback that takes that he, he won't be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. I don't think <clears throat> it's possible that Aaron Rodgers won't wear a Green Bay Packers um, jersey again. Um, unfortunately, when you paint yourself into a certain, it, I mean, anything is fixable. Like they can't fix this, but I, I feel like the longer this go, Aaron Rodgers ain't Russell Wilson. And what I mean by that is, Russell Wilson, he aired out his grievance. He did all that. But at the end of the day, Russell Wilson ain't a diva either. So he, he said what he said, did what he did, but he also went back to the team. was like, listen, this is why I'm frustrated. Won't won't. And they seem to be trying to figure something out. Aaron Rodgers is a different ball of wax. He out here hosting Jeopardy. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Dana, you know, his, 
I ain't gonna get in his personal business, but he he does a lot, and he has a pretty you know prima donna attitude. And I said this when we talked about the same segment last year. At some point, the organization gonna get tired of hearing like you complain or you coming at us. You're a superstar talent. I got it, but listen, this ain't the NBA. This here's the NFL. No player's ever gonna be bigger than the Shield. And furthermore, no player will ever be as big as the team that they play for. You got to understand. You are Aaron Rodgers, the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. It's not the other way around. And they just, for all the, the positive that Aaron Rodgers has done, it's like people only going to deal with so much of that. Like, for I had, a, I had an example in my head. But for like, how great, I don't know, um, Antonio Brown, promise him. For how, now, he acts the fool, but look how great Antonio Brown was playing as a wide receiver. You had to separate his greatness as a football player from his character. You just had to because he was doing so much. No one ever said, dang, Antonio Brown is trash as a player because he's not. You'll be, you'll be lying through your teeth if you say he was trash. But if you said Antonio Brown, yeah, he's a terrible person. Like, he ain't a good person. You would be factual. So, I say that to say this. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. But his, I just feel like he didn't ruffle so many feathers in that organization. They're just like, like we don't care that you're great no more. They're like, okay, you upset. Whatever. We're going to try to get you out of here. You know? And I, and I hear the GM and stuff saying, oh, he's not on the trade block. He's definitely on the trade. It's Aaron Rodgers. I know he's on the trade block. Because he done told you 22 times he ain't coming back. He don't want to play for you no more. Um, so, with that said, I think Jordan Love would be the starting quarterback for the Packers next year. I think he'll be starting this first. Um, I think the more interesting thing throughout all this is, one, Greens Bay's draft afterwards. Their draft was even more disrespectful. They showed this, this draft year that, they just over Aaron Rodgers. Last year, I thought they were showing it. This year is really, hey, we over it. Because he just won the MVP, and you still didn't give him what he, what he was asking for. You still didn't try to, like, give him truly what he need to get over the hump, to beat the Tom Brady Bucks, uh, to beat the, you know, the San Francisco. Like, you didn't give him exactly what you gave him. Uh, but then, did you really give it to him, or did you give it to Jordan Love? Because it sounded like this, all this is probably – going to be helping Jordan Love more than Aaron Rodgers at, hit, at this point in his career. So, with that, <clears throat> with all that said, yeah, I, I think Aaron Rodgers' time is done. He, first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he'll get his number retired at some point on that team. But this might be over. And it is what it is. It was over for Joe Montana at some point. It was over for Tom Brady at some point. It was over for um, Peyton Manning at some point. Like, it, it happens. It, I don't think you had to look at the player and say, oh, you know, he's no longer a Hall of Famer. He's no longer a great. He's no longer elite because he changed his teams. That's not necessarily true. We was talking about we was talking about Peyton Manning earlier. That was a prime example. He went to another team, was just as great as he was with the Colts. Now, he might have broke all the records when he was a Colt, but he got it done when he was with Denver. Like, and we're going to remember both things. It's not, we're not going to remember one without the other. This ain't Jordan with the Wizards. We're going to remember all of it. So, um, I just think Aaron Rodgers' attitude, and like I told you earlier, man, I, I do contribute some of the 
of the attitude that Aaron Rodgers have to just probably the way he got brought into the NFL with um, Brent Favre. I'm pretty sure Brent Favre didn't help. You know, we, we know Brent Favre was not happy about them drafting Aaron Rodgers, and he made it clear, like, I'm not helping him develop nothing. Y'all drafting him is y'all problem. Aaron Rodgers kind of had that attitude too. And like I told you earlier, I think the problem with Aaron Rodgers is this. It's not that he's upset. It's just the way he handles things. He's, he, he just grinds everybody gears so much that now they're just like over it. Like even though he's right about this situation, it doesn't matter. It's just like a person that you hear just like, oh, they get on your nerves so much, they might be making total sense. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, it, it's like a peer, in, you know what I'm saying? A peer that you got. You If you're a laid back cat, you handle things a certain way, but you got this peer that just rah, 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 all day. Eventually you like, He's not wrong, but I don't want to hear that crap either. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's what's happening with Aaron Rodgers right now. Like, you you about to be out of your prime. I, I know you won the MVP, but you about to be out of your prime. We didn't got the, good, the best years out of you. This is a business. No, let's make no mistake. We didn't got the best years out of you. So if you want to go, we'll try to find something suitable. But last but not least, did I say if you want to go, we're going to find something suitable? I think that is going to be the problem. What do you get back for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. What is enough for the reigning MVP and one of the best talents we've seen on the quarterback in the history of the NFL? What is enough? And I think that's the problem. So, I, you know, we'll see if they can make that work, but I don't think he's starting quarterback. I think starting quarterback would be Jordan Love. Yeah, uh, very based on, you know, stuff we talked about pretty extensively uh, this time around last season. I don't think either one of us are surprised that we're here now. Um, Green Bay, you know, old Gudikins up there, Brian Gunikins, you know, how, what, how do you say it? I, I, this guy, this guy didn't done it. Um, he botched the draft last year, um, you know, based on, I don't, Ain't nothing. I don't think there was anything I saw that blew me away this year in the draft. Um, you know, we chronicled about last year. They needed help a wide receiver. They needed help on the defensive line. They needed to get tougher, really, on both on you know at both lines of scrimmage. And you know, essentially, almost you know, we talk about New the Pelicans, how same team. You know, they, they can't even make the playoffs. Green Bay kind of, in, in a way, very similar to how they were last. I think they was a little bit better in certain areas. Um, I think they was a little bit better running the ball. Kenny Clark had a much better year helping the defensive line be better. But, I mean, same wide receivers. You know, Devontae Adams doing everything. Yeah, you could sprinkle in Scantling a little bit. Uh, Alan Lazard, a little bit of Alan Lazard. We got him. But, I mean, it just – it felt like they needed a little bit more. Aaron Rodgers needed just a little bit more to get him over the hump. And also, I mean, we can't forget Mike Pettin and Kevin King, whatever they're doing at that right before halftimes with, you know, Scotty Miller running by people, you know. So, but I, I really think like I'm still on the side of Aaron Rodgers. I don't understand what the Green Bay Packers are doing. And I do. There is, I think there is some merit to what you say about just a guy, a, a certain type of personality just rubbing you the wrong way. And but we talked about some of this last year, how like 
it's so easy to see how Aaron Rodgers would like take offense to that draft pick because a little bit sensitive. He's a guy that get in his feelings, you know, comes out in the media and says cryptic things that just have people scratching their head and your teammates and your coaches like, huh, what is, what's going on? But I mean, ain't like they didn't know, they didn't know this stuff. And you also have there as much as we don't, well, I don't like it. And especially in the world of sports, as we've seen, there are, depending on your level of talent, there are different standards. Antonio Brown got to get away with a whole lot of nonsense because he was Antonio Brown. He was that great. It's a, it's a little bit different here because I don't think there's nothing grossly character flaws and not cutting up, getting all sorts of trouble. So, I mean, if you, if, if you're staying out of the headlines to that degree and the guy's just had his best season who, and I, and I said this last year around this time, I was like, this is going to motivate Aaron Rodgers and he's going to come out and we're going to see the best of him. And we did 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. He wins an MVP his third, but don't, it don't mean he didn't forgot. And you, you know, he made some comments last year talking about like, you know, always wanted to remain with one team, but now, you know, I don't know if that's the reality anymore. And, you know, based on, based on what I'm read, it's really, it's him and the GM. That's the problem. The GM. And it, I just read something. I just read a, a report that came out about an hour ago. They got a source came out and, you know, was sharing like we talk about group chats, sharing a group chats to where Aaron Rodgers was referring to his GM as Jerry, Jerry Krause. Krause, Jerry Krause. And we know, like, we know how Jerry Krause got painted in the last dance, fair or unfair. So that that's that's obviously not a great look. That's not something you want to see from, you know, the guy who's supposed to be leading your football team, your quarterback. But I, when you have a guy to this degree of this talent, you know, you, you got to, I think you got to be a little bit better as an organization. It almost, it mirrors, it's not, I don't think it's, completely New York Jets, but we talked, we, we talked about this with the Jets and like a guy like Jamal Adams, who like Jamal Adams got, was getting frustrated about things that were happening with the GM, like putting on a trading block and oh, I thought we were going to do an extension, these type of things. You got to know your players and you got to recognize that we live in a day and age where people are different. People take offense to the slightest little thing and, you know, get mad about everything. And like, if, you know, think about the other, the other part of this, like if Aaron Rodgers if this is indeed the end of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, this about Brian Gutekus and Matt LaFleur don't have a, don't have a big future there because I don't know what you get in return for them. And I don't think maybe I could be wrong, but I'm not excited about, I'm not excited about Jordan Love leading this team. Well, not yet because we we're comparing Jordan Love to a hall of fame, a first ballot hall of fame at that. We don't know exactly. I mean, that's just like most Dallas fans wasn't happy about that Prescott when Tony Romo went down. And rightfully so. Tony Romo hold every record for the Dallas Cowboys for a quarterback. This dude ain't going to come in and take over for Tony Romo. Now, what, four years later, five years later, this dude the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So, And I'm still not crazy about him. <laughs> and and most people are not, <laughs> but I guess Jerry is. And that's the only thing that matters, I get right? it. I get it, though. That's, that's but, fair. You don't know until the guy steps in. But, right. I mean, there, there also is a difference between Aaron Rodgers and Tony Romo. You know, so 
Uh, right. And it, you right. know, to this, this is if this is indeed going to be a situation where he don't play with the Packers, and I don't know, I don't think this is a situation unlike any other at the quarterback position. I think it's even like think about the quarterbacks that Rodgers is connected to, like not right now, but like you know the early part of the of this decade. It really was four quarterbacks who like were front and center in the NFL. It was Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Yep. None of them, you know, all the other three, remember Brees had um, the uh, the shoulder, I believe it was. That led to him going to New Orleans. Um, Peyton Manning had the neck issues. That led him going to Denver. Uh, in the end, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they didn't see eye to eye no more. Tom Brady exits. But it was all via free agency. Like, all these teams, they they just – they split. They said, all right, we're, we're going separate ways. Aaron Rodgers still got several years on his contract. And for him to be at this point, you know, I, I just, I, the Packers, I just look at them and like, man, how, how could you let the, how could you let this happen? I put this more on the Packers than Aaron Rodgers. I think I, I do. I, I agree with you. I think the Packers, think they look at the landscape of the NFL and they say, I think we got the leverage here. Even though Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, you think, first of all, they're probably going to outprice most teams because it's Aaron Rodgers. Then secondly, you're going to have to find a team that no crap needs a quarterback and then needs a quarterback that bad where they're willing to give up the form. And I think the, the organization, like, we have the leverage here. How many teams need a quarterback first? Then how many teams willing to give up? Right. What are we I mean, asking? And how, and how many teams have that form? Yeah. Right. And so when you kind of look at all that, I think the leverage is in the organization. Now, does it make them look bad? Yeah. But this good cat, this cat was looking bad for years now. Like, <laughs> like he was looking real bad on this show last year. You, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I don't think the whole looking bad thing. It is what it is. Got to keep him coming. Like as far as he he's concerned, but. I, I do think they have the leverage when it comes to moving him, just because who he is, what you want from him, and if a team is willing to make those necessary movements to get him. Um, but like you said, is is the timing off? Yes, because you you probably could have had a Super Bowl by now, an additional Super Bowl. You probably could have at least been in a additional Super Bowl. So I hope the juice is worth the squeeze. But I, I, you know, like like I said, I'm just that type of person. Like, okay, I got it that you good. I don't want to hear that all the time. I just listen. You know what? I, I might have to just cut off my face despite my nose because this is getting ridiculous. Like, I don't want to hear it no more. <laughs> and I just feel like that's kind of where Green Bay at with it, the organization anymore. Real, real quick, where do you think? Where do you think if if they were to make a trade, where do you think the best spot is? Okay, so we talked about your boys earlier. I, I think that's a possibility. It's Carolina. It, it got to be a team where they're in limbo with who's going to be the starter. That's why I like Denver because they they're going to have something going on. Carolina, they're going to figure out who's going to be the starter. If Chicago didn't draft Justin Fields, I'll be saying Chicago. Um, but it's definitely got to be a team, one, that don't have an entrance starter. Um, hey, maybe – no, nah, I ain't gonna say. I was gonna say maybe maybe New England. Nah, man, that, that's taking it too far. <laughs> but 
But, like, seriously, just one of them teams where you don't have either a young quarterback that you drafted or, you know, an entrance starter. You know who could get him? I think who could get him and that I would just trade the quarterback I got now? I would just be like, hey, we'll give you Matt Ryan to be a backup. You give us Aaron Rodgers. I, I'll take mm-hmm. If I was Atlanta, I would try to get him down there because he's de- de- he better than Matt Ryan. Yeah. And he's going to have the weapons there in Atlanta. I guarantee you, you'll win three more games with Aaron Rodgers on the center rather than Matt Ryan. I'm just putting it out there. But to answer your question, team like Chicago, um, I'm not Chicago, teams like Denver, teams like Carolina, maybe a, a dark horse like Atlanta, one, something like that. That's where I would see him land. I think I think Denver would be you – know, I'm getting some – it don't normally happen, but I'm giving some. I'm getting some home cooking tunnel vision. Where like, yeah, just go to Denver, Peck Manning Volume Two. I love it. <laughs> but I'll give you. I'll give you a couple more interesting ones. Washington, I think they definitely need a quarterback. And right, right, you know, right. we talk about like there's a lot to like on that team. Like think about it. they were winning games pretty consistently when when they could get Alex Smith healthy. Aaron Rodgers going to do a lot more than Alex Smith. Right. Um, and I think one more, just because it is interesting. Minnesota, get Kirk Cousins out of there. And yes. Aaron Rodgers in that division, Minnesota. Brett Favre did that at one point, played for right. Minnesota. Yep. Minnesota and Green. Oof. That would in a heart, be In a be heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Get, get, I don't think they sold. They're just paying Kirk Cousins because they got to pay somebody. But <laughs> uh, they'll get rid of him in a heartbeat for Aaron Rodgers. In a heartbeat. But it's a, most, most certainly will. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll keep our eyes on this one. Okay, last but not least, it's rapid reactions. A whole lot of topics, a little time. The floor is yours, Jay. All right, University of Alabama unveils a program to build, elevate athletes' personal brands, and they call it the advantage. What are your thoughts on that, Grant? Listen, once again, you know, the University of Alabama, you know, taking, taking the lead, man. Listen, here's the deal. We know players are going to start getting paid for their, their personal likeness and all that. So here's what Alabama been doing it. You know, now, now they got to add another, you know, another tab to the program. Now they're just going to show players how to maximize yourself. And they, they're going to give these classes and do these instructions and bring in people. So it's just another part of the, the, the professional development that Alabama been doing. That's all it is. And we're just leading from the front, baby. Real top. The Ravens have signed veteran left tackle Alejandro Villanueva to a two-year, $14 million deal with $8 million fully guaranteed, sources said. Good sign. This is a good sign for the Ravens, right? I think I think it is. They uh we know they had to trade they traded Orlando Brown. He wanted to, you know, move from the right side to the left side, but they got Ronnie Stanley coming back from injury. Um, you know, Villanueva is a veteran. He's been around for, you know, many years now, made two Pro Bowls with uh, the Steelers, I believe. So I think he's a guy probably at this stage who could stand and move to the right side. And we know how important the offensive line is for Baltimore to keep that uh, keep that running attack moving strong. Lakers star for LeBron James is expected to miss back-to-back games on Thursday against the Clippers and Friday against the Blazers to rest the right ankle, sources tell ESPN. Uh, should Laker fans be more concerned now? Yes. Yes. This is it's time to be concerned, Laker fans. Um... Here's the deal. We seen him come back and play. He didn't look good. He know he didn't look good. He said he didn't feel good. 
And what really bothers me is the energy of the team after that game. You had Kyle Kuzma. He was looking kind of like, what are we going to do? Anthony Davis don't really look like he's ready to be the number one guy if LeBron couldn't come back. And we we know the Lakers are in trouble without LeBron. So, yeah, we might it might be time to hit the panic button if he missed too many more games. Seattle wide receiver DJ Metcalf will run the 100-meter dash at the USA track and field event on Sunday in California. What do you think of that, Jay? USA track and field team must have seen that video of old DK chasing down Buda Baker. I, I, I like it. Like the, the guy's a lecturer. He's got freakish speed at that size. It's one of those situations like seeing a guy, you know, an athlete, an athlete that great in one sport do something else in another sport. Uh, I think it's great. I'm interested to see how he does. The Falcons picked up wide receiver Calvin Ridley's $11.1 million fifth year option. That was an easy decision, wasn't it? Easy. Well, I mean, I get it. Wide receiver, you know, pass catcher, probably not, you know, the biggest deal. But hey, he had he had a fifth year on his contract. He might as well pick it up. He deserved it. He been playing well for you. And his fault you ain't winning games. The Los Angeles Dodgers ace Clayton Kershaw endured his shortest career start yesterday, pitching just one inning in a seven to one loss to the Chicago Cubs. Does that worry you? No, it actually doesn't. Uh, you know, before that start this season, his ERA was just over uh, just over two. Um, he's, you know, for several years now, he's a guy whose velocities kind of went away from, but he still has great command, uh, has great use of his secondary pitches. Um, so I'm not worried. And even if he isn't quite the same, they got Trevor Bauer, uh, Walker Bueller, and others. So they don't they don't need him to be a bona fide ace any longer. They'll, they'll be fine. The NBA West and Eastern Players of the Month for April are Warriors guard Steph Curry and Knicks forward Julius Randle. You agree? Absolutely. We we talked about Steph Curry earlier. He 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 been playing out of his mind. April he was he was going bonkers. And and we we see what Julius Randle doing. Like the Knicks are not where they're at without Julius Randle. Clear cut number one guy there. And we've been seeing them tear it up as well. So I absolutely put a stamp on it. It's official like a referee with a whistle. Holla at your boy. Broncos right tackle Jawan James will miss the 2021 season with a torn right Achilles he suffered yesterday. Your reaction? God, this one of the worst. This one of the worst free agent signing I've seen in a long time. This guy got signed in 2019. He played like three games, got hurt. He opted out of the 2020 season, and now it's like a week. Is it a, a week? At, no, not even a week after the draft, and he's already gone for the season. Maybe, maybe one day we'll get a right tackle. Uh, Portland Trailblazers coach Terry Stotts is expected to be fired after the season. That's according to Sean Sharania of The Athletic. Yeah, you agree with that? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I would have been bad if he was fired last year. Yeah, like, what? I sat back and thought about this. What has the Blazers done? You got that one trip to the Western Conference Finals. And I guess that you can keep your job for another how many ever years when you do that. But, like, what has he really won that justify him being there any longer? Uh, it's just, I mean, he's been hanging around. What, what What's the um, average span for NBA coach three years? Come on, Stocks. You have more than enough time. Last one. Tomorrow night, we got, tomorrow night we got the Nets versus the Mavericks in Dallas. Who you got, Jay? Who you got? Uh, I'll say the Nets keep sliding. Mavericks coming out with something to prove. They're looking to continue to climb the 
the West solidify that fifth seed out there. I'll take Luke and the Mavs. And that concludes tonight's Drink of Wisdom. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.